0: The Weekly Harvest. An in-depth look at the Brandon Wheat Kings and the WHL. Washman trying to come up with it for Allison. Here's Allison right in front. He scores! Brandon Jr. Hockey fans, you've waited two decades for this. In the league's 50th anniversary, your Wheat Kings are the champions.
1: And we are live... Hey, how you doing? My name is Chris Falco. He is Brandon Crow, And look at that at the bottom of our screen. That is Mr. Brian Propp. We are going to get into the introductions more momentarily, but welcome to the Weekly Harvest Podcast. Uh, broadcasting live once again Monday night. But if you happen to be downloading this on uh, Tuesday after lunch, traditional podcast means we appreciate that as well. Uh, so we're going to get right into this. Uh Brandon, we have been talking about yeah. this for, for, for a while, trying to get, you know, people have been harassing us as the younger guys, being like, you don't get any of the classic legends. We want to hear from somebody, you know, from, 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 from back in the day. Well, when you want to talk about a name who's either at the top of every list across the history books, then we pretty much got that one covered tonight. We got Brian Propp. Brian, thank you for joining us. How are you?
2: Yeah, I'm doing really well. How's everybody doing? Uh, hopefully it's uh, it's nice out, and uh, you said, I think you said it was windy, and... Little
0: (laughs) Yeah, but people right now, if they they could still go to the rink and watch some playoff hockey right now, I don't think they'd be complaining. But the fact that they're stuck at home and have nothing else to do, that's when the complaints come flying in. I got to start, Brian, and I wanted to get this off my chest. I started in the SJHL as well, and I don't know if you've seen it, but they've got a big mural of you up in the new rink in Melville now, a nice hand-painted mural uh, from your time in Melville. The points and the record that that just had to be easy for you didn't it 150 some points you still have the record just touch on that a little bit how did you put up so many points in in a rookie year in Melville
2: uh so at that time I was uh, 15 years old and I lived in Newdorf which is about a 20 mile drive to Melville and so like I couldn't drive so my parents had to drive me all the time <laughs> to practice and uh, and we got some rides every once in a while uh but uh uh, at that time it was, uh, the coach was Jerry Jones. And so like at that time he, he was ahead of the, uh, the, uh, the curve because he played uh, football and hockey. He won a uh, Stanley Cup in Toronto and he won a great, great cup. cup, cup. And so I think that by playing uh, football, he uh, had the p- plays set up. And so that really helped us with the team uh, knowing where to go, the, the uh, call out the numbers, uh, just right. the plays that we needed, and uh, yeah. Plus, I you know I, I had with the uh, you know a, a, uh, the other goalie. Uh, the the plays were there. The players were good. Like uh, Turman and uh, Dean were, were my line mates. Uh, so at that time, I was just having fun, and uh, you know I still don't remember like the, the goal, of the games, and things like that. <laughs>
0: that's a just, long time
2: it was, ago now it's fun for me but yeah and uh since i was uh you know from malville and uh and my dad was a Lutheran minister so my uh, my dad visited a lot of people in in uh, in the hospitals in in malville at that time
1: so you go from that incredible rookie season and it does not slow down once you get to brandon now you you come in and right away you join some very talented uh, uh folks along the way we're going to talk i'm sure in depth about a couple of them but what was your first impression of the wheat city who were some of the first players that you remember meeting when you came here for the wheat Kings?
2: Oh, that was uh, well. I went to camp uh, like uh, when I was in Melville and so uh, Brad McCrimmon knew that he was going to go there, and Ray Allison was there the day be- year before, so I was able to talk with them and know that I was going to go to Brandon at that time. And you know, to that day, to this, to this day, I'm still really good friends with Brad and uh, Ray. And uh, unfortunately, Brad died almost eight years ago in a plane crash, uh, but he was a leader. But at that time. It was all about uh, Dunk McCollin was the coach and, uh, you know, D- uh, Durlago was uh, there and we had a, a powerful team and, uh, you know, so that was a good start for me, uh, you know, just, just by being there for the, that year.
0: It was certainly a, a cool time in Brandon's history. They had some ups and downs and, you know, that, that kind of career path you went on, the success you had individually and team success Certainly that had to make your time just that much more fun.
2: Well, we won all the time. I, I, I remember the first uh, season, we only lost 12 games. The second season, we only lost eight games. And my last season, we only lost five games that whole season, <laughs> which wow. is pretty amazing uh, when, when you think about it. Uh, so we, we were used to winning all the time. And at that time, it was a 20-year-old draft. So like the players are a little older at that time, and then the NHL uh, merged in the uh, in the 90 70, 79, and so they started to take 18 uh, year old drafts. So that's why Laurie Boschman got drafted before me and Bork. Uh, so uh, he went to Toronto and an eighth eighth pick. But uh, you know, so it was it was all good. Uh, you know, but uh, again, I, I played with some. Really good uh, lines and players, and uh, I still remember a lot of them. And uh, it just uh, was so much fun. Uh, you know, well, winning all the time helps a lot.
0: Do you remember your billet family in Brandon?
2: I do. I'd, uh, one was a, a, a scout for, uh, D.D. Tritton was his name. And my, my last two years, I was with Larry and Alan Dacock, da- da- uh, like uh, right on uh, 13th Street and so I I didn't have a car so I had to walk everywhere at that time you know Brad McCormick had a car he was rich and so I I got (laughs) some rides with him
1: So you mentioned that you knew Brad from your time uh, before you even came with the Weekings was your first introduction to Kelly then was that not until the 78-79 season when he came to play with with his rookie season during your last year?
2: Uh, Yes uh, you know, so that was was good too but uh, you know also like with with Brad uh, we both played he he played in uh, PA and I played for the Melville Millionaires so we knew we, we hated each other and then when <laughs> we went to the brand and then we uh, then we really liked uh, our, how we uh, ended up
0: certainly uh, the the players on those rosters uh, there were so many guys that went on to have great pro careers uh, you touched on you know some of the guys you stayed in in contact with uh, I imagine that that group, because of all the winning, stayed pretty tight all the way through. Your guys, kind of adult years and into you know having kids and families and that sort of thing, wouldn't uh, would that be the case?
2: Yeah, definitely. And uh, and because I have a, had a 15 year career and then and played another year in France, and then I did the radio for nine years for the Philadelphia Flyers. I, I you know I knew a lot of uh, scouts and coaches that were still in the league, and uh, you know by playing with Brandon. You know, Hanlon was uh, the goalie, that Semenko was there. Uh, you know, we had a couple other guys that were, were really good, Dan uh, Bonner, and, uh, you know, and Gillen and uh, Patrick. And you, 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 you talk about uh, all the good players, Knickel, uh, Olsen uh, were, was there, the goalies. And, uh, you know, but it, uh, it was nice because we had a tough team. You know, at that time, uh, we, we, we didn't lose, lose too many fights. Because was there, and uh, and Durlago was unbelievable. Like you know, if he didn't get hurt that one year, he could have scored hundred and twenty games uh, goals that year.
1: So now, after you leave, you actually cross paths with a number of Wee Kings throughout your pro career. You were on a number of teams, and I was trying to do the whole web, and I kind of lost lost count. But uh, I'm sure there's some stories along the ways there as well of you playing with former with former teammates in the show.
2: Uh, yeah, so like uh, at the at the at after a couple of years, like Ray Allison got drafted to be in Hartford, and he played with Gordy Howe, and then he went to the Flyers in '82 and '83, and so I played a couple of years with him, and then uh, Brad McCrimmon got uh, traded to Philadelphia in, in the late '80s in the early '80s, and so that time, uh, you know, that was so much good for me because you know, we were good friends, and uh, at that time. Uh, Mark Howe and McCrimmon were two of the best DTD uh, in the league. Uh, the plus, plus minus was out of this way. And, uh, and then so, you know, just uh, nice to have good friends with them. And then by me playing 11 years with the Philadelphia Flyers and then uh, stopping for a month and then in the playoffs at Boston and then signing with uh, Minnesota for three years and then ended up in Hartford. It was, uh, you know, really good for my career just to, to be uh, long as lo- lost as lo- long as I did.
0: You had a great experience. A lot of guys, you know, they'll remember their first NHL game. They'll remember what city they were in. You know, they probably remember the finer details, what they had pregame or what hotel they were in. But you go an extra step and you score the game winner in your first game. Is that correct? Now, I think the goalie was pretty pretty good goalie too, wasn't he?
2: Yeah, it was. Uh, Bill Smith uh, from the <laughs> Islanders. Uh, yeah, so I, I, at that time, I started with uh, a Red, uh, Reggie Leach and, Bur, uh, and, and Bob Clark as a line. And then after 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 20 games, like, I moved back to Bill Barber and uh, Clark and Leach, who were, you know, powerful. And then I went to Kenny Linsman and Paul Holmgren. Uh, but, yeah, I, I remember the first game, like, we, uh, you know, I, I scored the game-winning goal, had an assist, and... And, you know, I thought, you know, this is the way it's going to be like in Brandon, like we win all the time. And so that year, uh, the, the second game, I remember that visually uh, because we lost nine to two in Atlantic. And I was like, oh, my God, is this what it's going to look like in the NHL? Because we didn't I didn't lose that much. And then we went uh, 35 without a loss after that in my rookie season.
0: That's an impressive run. That's not bad. Of course, yeah.
2: <laughs> and then, and then we so then, and then we went to the finals my first year because at that year it was number one against number sixteen. So that's why it ended up being the Flyers against the Islanders uh, because you you placed uh, different different uh, teams in the by by number one against sixteen and then so on so forth. So and
0: you had a, a couple of uh, tastes at the international level, of course, the World Juniors. Uh, and then the Spangler Cup and a couple of Canada Cups as well. We did get a question on Twitter. The first question that popped up uh, was a fantastic question from Michael Clark. And I think you saw it on Twitter. Uh, is there any truth to the fact that it was you that passed the puck to Mario in OT of game two, but Dretzky got credit on the score sheet? Is that true? And have you ever said anything to Wayne about stealing that point from you?
2: Yeah, well, you know, I knew it, but you know, I did, you know, it didn't matter to me because, because we won and, because we needed to, we, you know, to, to force a game three, and uh, otherwise, we, you know, it would have been uh, very disappoint disappointing because, uh, you know, just getting a chance to play in the three game series in '87 was was out un, un, understand, uh, unbelievable. Because uh, at that time the Russians weren't drafted, so it was like they're playing in the Olympics for every every tournament, and every every score was six. To five, And we lost the first game and then won the game 6-2. And then uh, we won 6-5 to five. It was, with uh, a minute left. Of, but, uh, you know, I'll, I'll remember that for as long as I live because, you know, at least I won a cup, uh, you know, the Canada Cup. And uh, with the two of the better, best players in the world at that time, it was sort of like the Olympics of today, I think. You know, the uh, speed was uh, outstanding and uh, the players were great. But uh, I remember that the, it's all about the great leaders that we had. You know, Gretzky, you know, from young on, like he was a leader. And, you know, Lemieux, uh, I played on the line with both of them uh, most of the tournament. And, uh, and uh, you know, I just told them, hey, listen, uh, I'll take care of defence and you guys just uh, pass me the puck and then we'll get some points and then win. <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, a lot of people in the history of Canada probably think that the 87 Canada Cup series of a three-game series against Russia was one of the best uh, all-time.
1: I'm not gonna get an argument from me with that one, Brian, at all. Uh, do you remember your feeling when you were named to that team?
2: Well, at that time, uh, I was uh, the oldest player on the team for Team Canada, and uh, and and that was the year, like uh, in '87, we lost to to the Edmonton in games in seven games. So I, you know, I was, I was already in the three Stanley Cup finals and then a tournament started in uh, October or uh, August or or September. So the, and then, so I still was in shape and uh, because of my stats, stats in the playoffs, uh, you know, I was a second later uh, uh, score. I I scored 28 points in the playoffs that year. And so, and Keenan was there and then we had a couple other guys from the Flyers that were on the team. Uh, So I think that. You know they, you know they looked at my experience, and uh, they felt that I was a good choice. But you know, I, w- I wasn't afraid of them. I played with them, uh, Gretzky, at the same time uh, when when I started in '79, and he, uh, you know, he he's he's known me all his life. And then uh, uh, Lemieux was the part of the, part of it, and then pork and uh, Coffee and you, you uh, Messier, Anderson, Gartner. Uh, uh, Howard Chock, uh, Gary Goldmer, Gilmer—you know—all of the best players in the world were there. Uh, so uh, it was good about the leadership. Uh, and at that time, I was one of the oldest guys, and so like they—they they, they learned from me too.
0: That's uh, that roster again. You—you you said kind of like the Olympics. I mean that roster then, that was Canada's best at, you know, at any point in history. You'd have a hard time arguing that that roster wasn't one of the best rosters ever. I gotta ask, I mean, I, I obviously, people in Brandon, and I think you, you might agree with this, and you probably started this along with Uh, Ron Hextall, but there's a lot of people in Brandon that slowly became Philadelphia Flyer fans after all of the weekend connections, Uh, and of course, you know, you had the Bobby Clark and Reggie Leach connections and the Flint Flon Bombers and everything, and of course, they had the attitude as the Broad Street Bullies, and was playing in Philadelphia, were the fans really as, as nuts and as wild as, as the stories go from back in the day where if you were a visiting player, you, you had to hurry in quickly from the parking lot because the fans were, were that nuts uh, for the Flyers back in the day?
2: Well, it was uh, it was more more because we had such a towerful, uh, tough team. Like we had Ben Wilson, Britton, uh, uh, R- 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 Bridgen. uh you know, we had Dave, Dave Brown. We had uh, Stanley we had ben Cochran. Uh, we had all the tougher players, and so, of course, everyone hated to play in in the spectrum because we were so tough on them. But we also knew how to win, and you know we had balanced lines, uh, so we uh, were able to be competitive every time. And and at home, we uh, we didn't lose that much, uh, and uh, it was. Uh, but it was it was because. We had the tough team, so nobody messed with us. And like the fans were, you know, they they, they knew that we were tougher than other other players, and so like they, you know, they, they know that they're they're not going to have a chance to, to win. And a, a lot of those players were kind of scared.
0: <laughs> it was a <laughs> bad place uh, for visiting teams to go. I can only imagine. Oh, yeah. And- you had a chance to play in the Boston Garden for a handful of games as well. Is there any comparison at all between the two, or is Philadelphia take the cake?
2: Uh, well, Boston was different because it was a smaller rink, and uh, at that time uh, they were the number one in the league. Uh, when I when I was we got traded to the Flyers, uh, Dave Pullen got there in February uh, that year. I had a, hat, a hand injury, so I missed twenty five games. I had a, a artery in my hand was uh, operated on, so my artery was taken out and so you know it took me a, a, a long time to heal and uh but after that and to get tra- traded to Boston which is number one in the league it was uh, nice uh to Bobby Clark just to kind of give me the chance to play in another final and and then he got fired and then he went to Minnesota and we went to another final so you know for me it was kind of tough uh, it, you know it's nice to uh, win as many times as I have in, in the finals. I, you know, of course, I didn't win a Stanley Cup, but who cares? I mean, I was there every time, and, uh, you, know, they, you know, they have to make sure that they can recognize that, too. And, uh, but, yeah, it was, uh, yeah, Boston was, uh, it was, it was different, but they had tough, tough, tough teams, too. So, and they, you know, Bork was there, with what a player he was, and Neela uh, Neely. And, uh, and uh, Jenny were, the, were my line mates, and so I fit right in with them. You know, we went into the finals, and uh, we lost in triple overtime in Boston the first year, first first game, which really hurt. And yeah. then, uh, you know, and of course, uh, Edmonton was Stanley Cup winners for so many years, so they knew how to kind of uh, play play a little better. And and you know, unfortunately, we didn't win it that year either.
1: Let's jump in the time machine here, quick, 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 quick second there, Brian. Let's go back again to that 1979 season because you mentioned about the losses. I mean, that's still a record that stands to this day. Like, that was the greatest WHL team that has ever been iced, that may ever be iced, that's still to be beaten. Let's go back to that year again and we've talked about some of the players that you've played alongside, but more so I want to talk about the game that Brad McCrimmon, it's almost an infamous game in the Mem Cup where he didn't leave the ice. That's kind of where he got the nickname Beast. I know he earned that nickname early in his career just by his playing style, but can you kind of just tell that story?
2: Uh, yeah, well, it, that was, uh, it was in Vernon uh, and it was like, uh, was supposed to be in, uh, in Montreal but uh they were in the playoffs that year so we had to change the game into verdun which is a uh, not, not not like montreal otherwise it might have helped us because of the bigger ice and uh the better ice it could have helped us but uh still it was uh you know it was it was, it was a great game and you know over time and you know i think brad had to move because leave because he had a penalty
1: uh, but yeah, I think yeah, I that think was played, it. Was, yeah, that was uh, the only two minutes. Ball. He was off. Yeah, yeah. He, he
2: well, he could have. You know, well, I think he, he played a you know, he played a little. He had a couple of breaks. You know, he didn't play the whole game. Otherwise, he'd be fall over. But uh, <laughs> you know, and uh, you know, I just I remember. Uh, you know, it, it was I scored the one goal, and then had a chance to get the second goal, and I and the goalie made a good save, and, and you know, but you know, it was just. Uh, but yeah, it was. Uh, it, it was, you know very tough for us to lose, uh, you know, we were, worked so hard to get there. Uh, but Peter, Peter Wright was a good team too. And uh, but the, you know, the goalies were pretty good. And, uh, you know, it was, uh, it was quite a tournament anyway
0: things have changed from then till now travel wise it's probably a little nicer i mean when i crawl aboard the bus there's you know nice reclining seats and we got you know dvd players and everything else that comes along with it but i imagine that travel back in the day sure there weren't the teams quite as far away and spread apart as they are now but to touch on it a little bit what was what was life like on the bus back in the late 70s
2: yeah well we had to put the seats back and then kind of break them so that we could have some foam and things like that and, and it was always cold on the windows and so and you know not to not to music uh give us some beer for long trips and <laughs> some beer for long trips and so we had uh brad mccerman take care of the beer so that they could uh you know share it with the other guys uh yeah because yeah at that time uh, it was long trips to, to go uh At that time like winnipeg was there but then they left and then uh flint Flong was oh that was a trip that was oh i can't believe we (laughs) didn't die that those trips and then uh regina and then saskatoon was the the closest after that uh but yeah we spent a lot of time on the bus and uh we played some cards and uh just uh talked about hockey and uh we just it it became us we we were much closer than a lot of other teams on the East, like, because they're so used to, you know, knowing the press and, uh, you know, staying uh, at home that much. And, you know, so it, you know, it we were tougher. That's for sure. The the Western guys were tougher.
0: I think that still resonates to this day.
2: Yeah. And, and, and I think that probably when they, you know, they moved the, uh, the draft to an 18 year old draft, it started to change. And the the, the the rules have changed a lot the last few years, and so like now they you know they're probably 16 and 17 year olders, and it, it's just it's it, they're not mature enough yet, so it's kind of tough to find uh, a, a good team and just try to make sure that you you have a good teams together. But you uh, know you know I, you know, I love the uh, the teams that we had with Brandon because we were close, and and of course Dunk. McCullin, like he taught us how to be good pros. Uh, he, he practiced us hard, and he knew how to treat us all as, as players to get ready for the NHL. And that last year, we had 10 guys that were drafted uh, into, into the league that year, uh, 10 guys.
1: You know what, that, that style that you used to describe too, that's exactly how a lot of people have described what Dave Lowry does, minus the giving the boys beers on the bus. That's very much a 1970s hockey move. But the way you describe that is if you treat the these young players, yeah, they're junior players, but if you treat them with respect, treat them like pros, that's how you help get them ready for that next level.
2: Well, that's what coaching does. I mean, especially at that, uh, that age, like, you know, they're still learning – and they just have to take advantage of it. And, you know, as I I tell all the people, you know, I used to practice as hard as I'd play, just like Bob Clark uh, and uh, led by example, you know, and and you you had to uh, learn by that, you know, because I love getting on the ice and that's why I scored as much as I did because I hated missing the net. So everybody that practices just knows that they have to try to hit the net and think about where they're going to be for practice, and, and put your brain your brain to work so that you can think about the, what you have to do, and you work hard and uh, think about where you have to be, and it makes a big difference. And like, physical uh, physically, you know, it was great, but mentally, uh, we had sports psychologists that you, you t- taught us how to uh, think better. Uh, there's there's ways that you can do so that you can get much better. It just like me with my stroke uh, almost five years ago, I, I couldn't talk, I couldn't walk, I, I still have problem with my right hand and, and side, uh, but uh, and I still have aphasia, so sometimes the words get mixed up around every once in a while uh, because of my stroke, and this month it happens to be a stroke month, and so like, I, you know, I'm working with another company called Bancroft that has brain injury and stroke people, so it's a good, good, good month for me to have you guys on.
0: Yeah. And I wanted to, you know, I wasn't quite sure how to bring it up and I know you've been very vocal with it, you know, telling your story and, and everything that went along with it. Now I have to go back and and ask, do you think, or has anybody told you that, you know, maybe injuries that you sustained while playing led to this, or have your doctors said, this is just kind of the way your cards were dealt to you? How did that all get described to you once you went through it?
2: Uh, so, like, I knew I had AFib after I uh, after I was a player and, and finished playing. So, AFib in your heart, you, it, uh, you kind of murmur and things like that. But it, it you know it can make a difference. And so, uh, about 10 years before, I had an, an, a had a surgery for an ablation. It's called to, to uh, kind of end the make the heart a little bit uh, not react as much. And so after six months, my uh, medication kind of wore off. And so I thought I wasn't in AFib, but I probably was. And so what happened after years, I didn't have medication. And so I I ended up with AFib. So what what happened is on vacation with my family in uh, September, 2015, and I didn't feel well that night. And so uh, I went to bed early and I had a really bad headache and then, uh, I, I fell out of bed at middle of the night. I lost a couple of teeth. All those years playing uh, hockey, I never lost any teeth, and, and <laughs> I couldn't couldn't talk. I, I couldn't move. Thankfully, my son and Dollar, Dollar were there, so we got to the hospital pretty fast. Uh, but it took me a year and a half to get much better uh, with speech therapy, uh, physical therapy, and occupational therapy. And but you know, just to tell to all the people that know or or don't know. Um, it's all about hope and how, how you can work and how you can react. And, you know, I just talked with a guy that had a stroke, uh, today, he's still struggling from his stroke. And, you know, I talk a lot of these people and, uh, give them hope and uh, tell them not to give up and be positive. And, you know, you, your brain takes a long time to heal and uh, you have to take your time and, uh, always look for something to get better
0: certainly a, a crazy, you know, sequence of events. And, you know, I know a lot of people in Brandon for following along and, and, you know, we're so glad to see you get recovered to the point where you are now. Have you played hockey since? Are you able to jump on the ice in the old men's beer league or, or do you stay away from the skates? How have you been able to recover that way?
2: Well, the last uh, two months, we're not allowed to uh, on the ice because right. of uh, virus. Uh, so, but I think that, and I and I yes I have been skating the, the last uh, three and a half years uh, with a group of guys that I know. Uh, so we skate Wednesday and Friday mornings in in South Jersey, and skate zone. Uh, we usually skate from seven to eight thirty, full equipment, two goalies, five on five, a couple subs, and it's 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 good because it's invite only. So and then the guys are getting a little older now, so like uh, we're they're between. 40 and 60 and it, we started, it was 20 to 40. Now it's, <laughs> it, 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 uh, uh, but they're not, it's no hit uh, and invite only. So, and uh, all the same guys are, are there. Like some, some guys play uh, for the NHL, like Andre Faust played for the Flyers and Ray Ellison uh, and bridge, uh, uh, Todd Fedorek uh, a couple times. Uh, but uh, you know, it's, it's good uh, for me because uh, I can't shoot that much because I, uh, my my fingers don't work, but the goalies I played against uh, they're not that good, so I can score and so really
0: good. Oh. <laughs> you can still celebrate the way you used oh, to. Oh yeah, I,
2: right in your face, yeah. <laughs> I love skating, uh, scoring goals—that's for sure.
0: Now, if you, if I asked Ron Hextall right now if he scored, if you scored on him lots in practice, would he, would he deny it?
2: No, he wouldn't, because I, I, he, he knows that I love <laughs> to skate against, uh, score against him. I used to drive him crazy because uh, you know he hated when I, I put the puck in the net and so he used to fire the puck at me a couple times when I was doing the radio for the Flyers I, I skated uh, when he was still playing and I and I went back and forth and I, I scored in, in the middle of the net the two sides and then and he got upset and then he fired a puck at me and, and so like I, I said oh well I got to be careful because I don't want him to get to be upset but I just uh, had a chance, it was his birthday a couple of days ago. And so I texted him and now he, uh, he kind of lives in Florida and uh, the Poconos uh, in, in PA. So I, I had a chance to you know, wish him a happy birthday. And, uh, but yeah, uh, I, I'll never forget uh, what he did uh, after Chelios uh, yeah. ran him because uh, he was st- sticking up for my team and especially for me after the Chelios hurt. And so I'll never forget that. It was a great lesson for me. Just to to be a leader and to see how it how it meant for him to to do what he did.
0: You know, I never really I never really put the connection together. I'd seen the clip of him. Kind of, I, I guess you could say going bananas or whatever you want to describe it as, but I never really knew the backstory of it. And I read Perry Bergson of the Brandon Sun. He did that alumni piece on you a couple years ago. I read yeah. that last night and kind of finally got some background on it. So in all your passing since then, have you ever had a conversation with Chris Chelios or if you did, how would that go?
2: Well, it, 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 it I did uh, because it was in, uh, in uh, 2011, when Brad McCrimmon died and he was, went to his funeral in Detroit because he used to play at Detroit. And so his funeral was there. So Chalios was there with a couple of other friends. And so I was able to uh, talk with him and to say, hey, listen, you know, like, you know, after time, you know, I still hate you, but, uh, you know, we, we could be fine, be nice with each other and put everything behind you. And it's it, why worry about the rest of your life? Like, you know, I almost died five years ago. So I'm happy every day in my life. Now I'm happy and positive And I, I don't worry about, uh, you know, what I used to do. Uh, it's just it's just about life and how it treats you.
1: So I want to ask you about uh, the infamous photo, Brian. There is, and, and there's no argument that the top line in Wee King history. It's prop Alison Durlego. and there is that iconic shot of the three of you without your buckets, all stopping at the same time, and you with that flow. And I think we even used it in the promo for for this. Um, what was it like playing along those two? Because that's got to be the most dominant line in, if not we king history for in in WHL history as well
2: yeah yeah so like uh, we, we took pictures and, and I think I think I had a, a back eye or something I must have got a stick in the eye or something uh, so I had to look a little tougher uh, but uh, long long hair I, you know I used to I used to have firms every once in a while when in the 80s and so that was kind of crazy now it's a little different now I'm a little little better uh, but uh, yeah and uh, and to play with those three guys it was you know Again, by being in the bus, as much, much as we were, we, we, we roomed together, and especially Flin Flong, Like the, the, the three of us had room and I uh, had a cot. So like uh, we had to uh, kind of get close together by, by that. And, uh, but uh, yeah, I, I'll, I'll never forget like, the, the, and, and Ray is a really good friend of mine to this day. He still uh, works in, in Cherry Hill, which is next to where I'm living. And he just moved to Myrtle Beach. Uh, uh, he, he just gonna, he's gonna retire in a, in a couple of months in Myrtle Beach. Uh, but, um, you know, I still talk with him all the time and uh, a bunch of my other guys uh, that I know talk about all the time. And, and Durlego, I've seen him a couple of times uh, in Toronto alumni, uh, Toronto alumni games uh, over years. And so, you know, I've had a chance to talk with him too, but uh, what, a, what a great time we had. It, it, Bill was so talented he was unbelievable and uh, you yeah, know and ray he was he worked the corners and uh you know I I did too but he, you know ray just kind of fought for us and uh, did all the dirty work and uh, we kind of got, got all the good glory
0: i think one of the the really cool things when you look at the the brandon weekings and the way they've Um, you know develop not only players but people in the hockey world of course you've got equipment managers you've got trainers you've got guys like uh, you know Craig Heisinger in in Winnipeg and uh, Darren Granger the equipment manager in LA and then of course Kelly McCrimmon in Vegas and you at one point you had Ron Hextall and all of these people that have gone on to work in hockey is that kind of like when you run into one of those guys is that kind of the first place the conversation goes was that hey you know what we were all in the same boat one day in a small town in southern Manitoba
2: Oh, yeah. Well, especially at that time, we didn't know any better. Like, uh, I know that, uh, you know, I grew up in Saskatchewan and we had to work in the farms all the time. And uh, we still had to you know, work for a living in in the summers. And I remember that, like, uh, it wasn't like it is now, like the, the getting drafted. Like, I, I, did, I found out by a, by a form, uh, I was on a form working that day, and I got a call from the Philadelphia Flyers. That I got drafted. And I was like, oh, okay, that's okay. Nice. You know, but... Uh, <laughs> It's changed so much now, but where we were in, in the West, we didn't find out more about what was going on, like the East, like the, the, they had the press and things like that. You know, I didn't really worry about that. I, I know that when we were in Brandon uh, Knickle, the goalie, he, he followed all the hockey news and so I heard every once in a while about, you know, the hockey news and so like the, a couple of these guys knew that, but where we were, it was more about us Playing for each other and winning and having fun, and uh, you know that was at, that, that was then. Now it's 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 completely different. Now I think a lot of players play for stats, and uh, you know you, you, you keep track of the hits and the hits and the takeaways, and who knows? You know, it's just still you still have to learn how to score the goal and uh, make make sure that uh, you, you win for the team.
0: Certainly the analytics side of things have really changed things. I, I can't imagine if, if, if Dunk McCollum had the same tools that, you know, Dave Haxtell and, you know, all the late coaches, the flyers now had, I don't, you guys might not have been able to be running free. Like the horses you were, he'd have had all these probably stats guys telling you you were in the wrong spot or statistically you should have been somewhere else. But I just don't think that would have worked for you guys back then.
2: No. And in the eighties, like with, with Bob Clark and his group, like he, I played with him for five years and uh, you know, they, we went to the finals in 80. And uh, at that time, you know, we, we drank a lot of beer, but we, we hung together and, uh, you know, that makes it nice. And then the coaches let, let you alone. Like uh, I, I remember Pat Quinn, my first coach, he said, hey, listen, you know, this guy's quiet. Like he didn't say much the first two years, but he speaks with his stick. And he said, yeah i'll give him uh, some beer if he wants just uh, just uh, i'll buy it for you you know just <laughs> for how you did it but you know that you know and then it changes in the 90s and the 2000s it's changed a lot uh now you know you know when we were in the 80s uh, we always had beer in the fridge after games and uh you know then when a couple goalies died uh, like peli uh, lenberg died in 85 then it, you know we had to uh, take that take that away but it was just changing at that time and you know it was uh the 90s changed a little bit more and the 2000s are a little different but uh you know for me I loved uh 70s and 80s uh we had better times we had good stories we we hung together and we played for each other
1: and you know we won a lot
0: you got any more chris
1: i'm just i just love this I'm, I'm looking at the time and we kind of said that we would eat up half an hour of your time or we're sitting at 40 minutes but i i, I could keep asking these old school questions though is the problem is like one of the best
0: uh one of the best stories i heard from back in the day was uh i one of my buddies had gone to the hockey hall of fame and was checking out the montreal canadians uh rebuilt dressing room and he had taken a picture and there were ashtrays built into the stalls <laughs> from back in the day. So oh, yeah. I, that's a different time than you'd find nowadays. I, I don't well, think like, you'd you find know,
2: that. The that is like he smoked like three packs of cigarettes a day. A day. So like, you know, but, uh, you know, but he, he, he had the wind and, you know, he was fast and everything. Yeah, it's really changed a, a lot. Uh, but, you know, these are all good stories and it's... Uh, it's all been it's been really good, and you know I, I don't know if you guys have time for me to run over what the the guffaw means. Like, so when I when I go to when to Center Ice, I did guffaw. I got there from Howie Mandel, the comedian.
1: Okay, yeah, uh, no, I've 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 heard this story a little bit, but not to the extent of like w- why that specific thing from Howie Mandel. Were you a Howie Mandel fan?
2: Yes, I was. Uh, I went to his uh, his. Uh, his shores in atlantic city and because in in philadelphia to go to the shore it's only an hour drive to the casinos and so i saw his show a few times but i i saw him once with a friend of mine and so like and uh, how he did the guffaw for fun and it means a hearty laughter and so i was just i was thinking about hey this is something that i need when i score in the 80s and so I want to, I want to do something a little different that makes it more excitement and things like that. And so I copied him. And so the first time uh, when I uh, scored a goal at the first time of the season, I went to the guffaw and went to center ice <laughs> and, uh, I said it and, and then Keenan the coach, he said, what is that? Don't ever do that again. And I said, you know, I didn't say anything, but I just, I kept going it." And so but now I, I branded it. Uh, so like, uh, you know, I have my guffaw. It means a hearty laughter. On my Brian Prop website, there's a whole story of how it came apart. And uh, and then so I visited Howie uh, after uh, the, in the 80s uh, at his show, after his shows uh, with a bunch of guys. And uh, I still keep in contact with him. I was just out a shore with him uh, six months ago in Atlantic City. So I had a chance to talk with him again. Uh, but, uh, you know, and soon... Uh, I'm going to have my own branded guffaw cigars. I'm going to be a licensing agreement with uh, Vivente cigars from the Dominican Republic. So if anybody wants to go to my Brian Prop website, there's a link to buy the cigars. And the way I'm going to do that, I'm going to I'm going to sell 425 boxes of 10 for about $10, 10 you know, boxes of 10 for about $140 uh, U.S., uh, and uh, you know, but to be special edition, limited edition, and they'll make sure that they're really good. And that's what I like. I want to make sure that it's done the right way.
0: That's awesome. Uh, is there any chance of getting those up in Canada or is there immigration things with tobacco? I don't know how that works. Is well, any Canadian fans asking? Yeah,
2: but it's uh, for me, it's just me about having a licensing agreement so that I don't have to worry about uh, manufacturing the tobacco. And, uh, you know, so I, I'm just working on a deal where, uh, you know, when, when they get shipped, it, uh, you know, then uh, depends on whoever buys them. You know, I'll, 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 I'll keep track of all the people that are there and and see what they want to do about shipping them to Canada.
1: Right on. So you mean to tell me that you were trying to have fun in the NHL way back then and you didn't get called out on it? Because I think certain teams are trying to do stuff like that the last couple of years and uh, it may have it may have got called out on it.
0: The Carolina are,
1: Carolina, like, Carolina.
0: <laughs> the, yeah the Carolina celebration would oh, probably wow. fall under the the guffaw type category and guys like Brian Burke really don't like that did you get any flack other than maybe Mike Keenan
2: no 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 because at that time uh, you know I, I was it was new and uh, so I, I, I love doing it and, and from that like I even when uh, when, when I retired I, I ran the reddit the Medford ice rink in New Jersey for uh, three years oh. And then I, I taught the people, the young kids, how to skate, and, to, to, and I taught them the guffaw. So, like, I, tell, I told them, hey, <laughs> if you get good grades and you get an A, then you do a guffaw to your teacher. And then uh, that's what that's, that's – give them a, a – you know, just get them ready to go back to school because it's more about school. And if you get a scholarship, that helps, but a lot of people don't make it. And so, like, they have to rely on their score, gore. Goal, goal.
1: So the the guffaw was always your right hand or your left hand.
2: My le- it was, I covered my left hand and I went all the way to the to the right because I carried the stick on this side and guffaw.
0: <laughs> you know what? When I when I first saw that uh, as your email address when I got it from Perry, and of course I I I'd follow you on Twitter, but I never I just assumed it was an old nickname. I had no idea. But he's Canadian, right? He's- <laughs> yeah, he's
2: Canadian. Yeah, definitely. so he's a hockey fan. Yeah. Oh yeah. The big time. Yeah. So like, yeah, again, like I, like I said, over the years I've, uh, I've, I've talked with him a few different times and, uh, you know, just, just with my, uh, heart problems and my stroke and things like that, you know, he's, he's got a, he's got a bad ticker too. So he, he has to be careful about what he does too. But at that, at that time in the eighties, he had hair and now he's bald, bald. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, I got a, I got a message uh, from a, a big-time Weeking fan last week when we announced you were coming on. And he had to he sent me a picture of a signed Brian Prop jersey. And I said, well, that, those were the great sweater design. I, I love those. And he said that uh, during the 40th anniversary season, he bought one, and he bought a Dave Semenko one for his dad. He mailed you the jersey, and you signed it yourself, personalized it, and mailed it back to him, along with some hockey cards, some Canada Cup photos of you and Brad uh, that Brad had signed as well, and he wanted to say that uh, that was an absolute class act move. And you were a favorite as uh, for, of his uh, when he was a kid growing up. So uh, that's cool. Do you still get fan mail from Wee King fans or from Flyer fans uh, to this day? Yeah,
2: yeah, definitely. Yeah, like I I, uh, I get email or fan mail every every day. Uh, you know, I, I worked for Wolf Commercial Real Estate in uh, New Jersey the last five and a half years in uh, Marlton. And, uh, so they know where to get me and like, uh, and I just move. So a lot of people maybe have the wrong address. Uh, but you know, if they want to go to our, my, uh, Wolf, uh, commercial real estate, uh, address, they, they can Google that. And then uh, they go from there. So I usually send pictures to people, pucks and everything. If people want to sign things, they can send it to me and I'll mail it back and, uh, you yeah, but uh, I usually have pictures all the time with me and, uh, you get, Find people for the kids and things like that. Uh, that's what I've. That's all. That, that's what I've done my whole life, and you know, I, I learned that from my dad, who was a minister in New um, We I have uh, two brothers and two sisters, so we're all 13 months apart. So we, we had our own t- hockey team at that time, and then, then you now they've got kids that have other kids, and so big family. Uh, but uh, yeah, my dad was pretty good about uh, teaching me uh, the, the leadership. And how to play hockey, how to react, how to be a good sport, how to give back, and so I'll, I'll never forget that.
1: It's like it's I gotta like, ask. Oh, go ahead. I was gonna say it's like it's like that old joke about how you used to what you guys used to do before the internet and technology. And it's like, well, go ask your eight brothers and sisters. But anyway, go <laughs> on, crow. Uh,
0: so on your elite prospects page, it has you listed as Lanigan. Now I'm imagining that is that is that incorrect? Or did you know
2: have- I, I was I was born I, I when I was five years old uh, we, uh, my my parents lived in Janssen, right. which ends up be about like uh, a ten minutes from Lanigan. So the hospital was in Lanigan. So I was born in Lanigan, and then I moved to Newdorf when I was five years old. And then I went to uh, to Melville, and then I went to the Brandon Weekings. After that,
0: so did you ever get a, a call when you were winding it up to play for the Lanigan Pirates or the Jansen Jets in the old senior hockey circuit?
2: No, no. But my, my dad was a minister. He played he played hockey there, so like he was known as the dirty minister, the <laughs> dirty, uh, dirty rev. man. so because he was he was a good player, uh, he had a good uh, he played defense, and he had a good hip check. And so he always knew if people wanted to get, get under his skin, uh, but he was—he didn't back out for anybody, and uh, you know he took care of his uh, teammates.
0: Oh, that's
1: awesome. So, uh, Brian, before we do go, we have to do a little thing that we call make a face. And basically, we just have to get a screen grab for the thumbnail for this video. But because we're talking about the guffaw, I think it's only maybe appropriate that maybe me and Crow try and imitate that, if that's okay, if we're allowed (laughs) to do that. Good. Okay. All right.
0: Count us us down, Falgo.
1: All right. Here we go. We're all going to do it in three, two, one.
0: (laughs) Guffaw! Guffaw! (laughs) Uh, Brian this was awesome we know we had a lot of fans uh, that were reaching out to us saying we want to hear from some of the older guys and that's certainly not a knock on uh, you that's just uh, pointing out how young Chris and I are uh, I remember you know my first week King memories are of Jordan Tutu so that shows you the age gap uh, between your career and when I started watching but this is fantastic. Uh, we know that uh, you know everybody still talks about that line, and it'll go down in history as one of the greatest Weeking, if not Western hockey lines of all time. And We know you're busy, uh, probably not as much right now, uh, trying to stay busy, but I uh, want to wish you the best. Stay healthy and uh, stay in touch, and uh, hopefully we'll see you in Brandon maybe sometime soon.
1: Yeah, good. Thank you very much, guys. Thanks a lot, Brian. Really appreciate it. Yeah. There we go. That is Brian Prop. That's fantastic. That's unbelievable. I'm just going to go like that really quick.
0: Perfect. What a great
1: storyteller. Unbelievable, Brandon, that we got to sit there and, you know, and we, we asked we him to join us for half an hour and he was on with us. How generous for 48 minutes, like really generous with his time. That was fantastic. So great guy, Brian Prop. How about that?
0: That was fantastic. Now it's time for the announcement. Next week's guests, drum roll, please. We go from one generational legend in Brian Propp to another the highest scoring single season goal scorer in Waking history, Ray Ferraro. Boom. Also, his current sidekick and former CKLQ radio voice, Darren Drager. The but- two of them, the host of the Ray and Drags podcast, will join us next Monday live on the Weekly Harvest. So, Ray Ferraro and Darren Drager are coming up in one week's time. So, the hit list of quality guests. <laughs> is just getting better and better. And uh, we're really looking forward to a different generation of storytelling from those two guys.
1: A couple of guys who know how to actually do a podcast can be joining us to do a podcast. So it's going to be
0: great. I'm afraid they're going to judge us. You know, they've probably got a way better
1: setup. I'm hoping that they just kind of take it over. <laughs> <and> we can <laughs> just kind of tag along with one of their, because it's so good. Uh, hey, if you want to send us any questions for next week, if you want to send us uh, any feedback from tonight, uh, the email's up on the screen now. If you are watching, it's qweeklyharvest at gmail.com. That's the letter Q, weeklyharvest@gmail.com. at gmail.com. You can uh, drop us a line there and, uh, and get a hold of us. But we'll be live here again next Monday at 8 o'clock with ray ferraro with darren drager that is awesome it's gonna be a whole lot of fun and again if you missed any of this you want to catch up uh or even next week can't catch it live as always the traditional way these podcasts still going to be out there tuesdays around lunch hour you can uh, download it uh, across all the traditional podcast means or online at qcountryfm.ca as well
0: there's also a link at the Weeking website uh, under the top tabs. Uh, you can watch any of the previous ones as well. Uh, and, and there's links there to get to the to the full page uh, where you can download it and do whatever uh, you need to do, whether you're in your car, you're at your desk, or uh, whatever the case may be. Uh, but this was another great week of the Weekly Harvest episode 17. Next week, 18. Uh, it's just getting better and better. And uh, looking forward to next week. Uh, Chris, great work this week.
1: Aaron and, uh, Aaron Bull is already excited for next week. That's, that's I good. think...
0: I think a excitement. lot of people are, honestly. That, that's going to be good. I, I'm excited. Ray Ferraro, I mean, that's a broadcasting legend. Darren Drager was a guy that was in my shoes. Uh, keep an eye out for the picture that we're going to use to promo this. I may have found an original Week King program with a, probably an 18 year old Darren Drager posing for CKLQ. So uh, look forward to that uh, on Monday. And Chris, uh, enjoy your week. I know fishing season opens this week. So. If I don't hear from you Monday, I better come looking for your kayak and your canoe floating maybe upside down in one of the lakes. So if it's just me on Monday, you had a terrible fishing accident. It opens
1: Friday, but uh, if you were a true fisherman, you know that trout ponds are open all year round. So I was out yesterday, so whatever. I'm still
0: going. Uh, (laughs) Well, good luck, and uh, we'll talk to you Monday. Be sure to follow Q Country and the Wheat Kings on Twitter and Facebook for all your Brandon Wheat Kings news. Thanks for listening to the Weekly Harvest.